The U.S. sure like to leave it late, don't they? It all comes down to this last game against Iran, a win in that match, and the United States men's national team is through to the round of 16 at the 2022 World Cup. Has the team impressed so far? Kind of. Do they have enough talent to find three points against Iran? Sure. Do I feel great about their chances? No, not not really. For U.S. fans, it's not uncommon to have to wait until the last match day at the World Cup to see their team's fate get decided. I mean, come on, they're not France. It takes a certain level of team and some scheduling favors to wrap things up early. Still, it's going to be nervy on Tuesday against Iran. So as we look forward to the Iran game, we're doing the same thing we did ahead of the England game. Today, we're looking at how players are doing and how things are going for the U.S. ahead of their matchup with Iran on match day three, which is just code for Tuesday. Now, isn't it? Now that I'm saying that out loud, we're getting all financial today and looking at which U.S. M&T stocks are up and which ones are down. I'm Joe Lowry, and welcome to the Backheeled Show, where we bring you unique coverage of the USMNT in just 10 minutes or less. We're here with quick, informative episodes all throughout the U.S.'s run in Qatar. Then after the run in Qatar, we'll be talking about all different facets of American soccer. Here at Backheeled, we believe that just because soccer games are 90 minutes long doesn't mean that soccer podcasts have to be. So, let's get to it and talk soccer. The first stock that's up for the USMNT is the midfield. Tyler Adams controlled the game against England. He had really good numbers, which I've already talked about on this show. He wasn't flawless in that match, but he was pretty much excellent and very much a worthy captain for this US team. Weston McKenney looked like he'd been playing as a hybrid winger, central midfielder for years, and that, that might be because he has. Maybe that time at Juventus where he's alternating between the wing and central midfield was all building up to that moment against England. It's a shame that didn't come to a more meaningful result, but still, it was good to see him on the field. He also escaped a yellow card in that match against England, which means he is good to go for the Iran game. That is huge. Next up, Yunus Musa in this midfield group. He was physical against England. He was good on the dribble. He was in the top three for ground covered of every player on the field in U.S. versus England. Now, there is some room for improvement in Musa's game that can raise his stock even more. Once he fixes some of his passing issues, either his vision or his execution, that's going to go a huge way, a really, really long way for Yunus Musa as he continues to turn into a more well-rounded pro. Still, the midfield stock is up and could be key against Iran on Tuesday. The first stock that's trending down for the U.S. men's national team is chance creation. And I'll I'll admit, this one has me feeling nervous. The U.S. haven't shown an ability to consistently break teams down. They're not Spain. I don't think anybody's under the illusion that they are Spain. They're not Germany or Brazil. They're not talented enough to just vibes their way through other teams, which is kind of the approach that teams like France and even Brazil or Argentina tend to take in international tournaments. The issue is they're not consistent enough yet either to fill me with confidence that they can band together and tactics their way through a low defensive block like Iran will bring to the table on Tuesday. I mean, I guess they are consistent in some ways. In the last two games, they've created less than one expected goal per game. It was 0.63 against England, according to FOTMOB, and 0.79 against Wales. So there is some form of consistency there, if that makes you feel any better. It does not make me feel better. There just aren't enough Gio Reyna types in this team. Players who can receive the ball between the lines, be physical to keep a defender off their back, or to deal with a defender on their back, and then find the next creative move in the attacking third, whether that's goal scoring or passing. The one Gio Reyna type that the U.S. does have, literally Gio Reyna, has barely been on the field at this World Cup. 
The U.S. will need Weston McKinney. They'll need Pulisic. They'll need Weah and whoever else is in the midfield to be active and effective if they want to get all three points and move out of Group B. Also, the fullbacks here have to be big in that game against Iran. Baralto in the past has called those players his superpower. We really haven't seen that superpower in action at this tournament. Take the shackles off the fullbacks, especially Dest, and trust Adams and the rest of the spine to clean up after them. That could go a long way against Iran. One last thing in this chance creation category, again, this is a stock that's trending down, is set pieces. They still have not clicked in this tournament. In the first game, Christian Pulisic's service was awful. In the second game, his service was much better, but the runs in the box were never there to meet the balls that Pulisic played in. Maybe we'll have a Goldilocks situation and get just the right mix of those things of service and execution in the box against Iran. Who knows? The next stock that's up for the U.S. men's national team belongs to Jesus Ferreira. Now, I know that Ferreira hasn't played yet at this tournament, but nothing I've seen from Haji Wright or Josh Sargent makes me think that they're the right fit to play up top against Iran. Ferreira could elevate the U.S.'s possession play against a low block in a way that Sargent and Haji Wright just can't. He's comfortable between the lines. He's a good counterpresser and moves fairly well in the box. He can't create his own shot, Jesus Ferreira, but really no U.S. number nine can. By not playing so far at the World Cup, I think Jesus Ferreira's stock has risen. I think I'd like to see him on the field at least for 60 minutes or so against Iran before they go into full set piece and Hail Mary mode, which I do think could happen on Tuesday. Ferreira, I know he hasn't been on the field yet, but his overall ability in the past, his body of work with both Dallas and the national team, and how impotent Sargent and Haji Wright have looked, makes me long for him a bit in this last group stage game. Finally, the last stock that we're talking about here is another one that's trending down. It is the U.S.'s chances of making it out of Group B. And I know this one is grim, but after each game so far, the U.S.'s chances of making it out of the group have dropped. So according to 538, the U.S. had a 53% chance of a round of 16 appearance before the tournament kicked off. Again, that's per 538. That number dropped from 53% to 45% after the first game against Wales. That was a 1-1 draw. So it was sitting at 45% before the England game. Now, after the England game, a nil-nil draw with the U.S. sitting on two points in Group B, it's down to 38% of getting out of the group and into the round of 16. So going from 53% to 45% to 38%, yikes, not ideal, right? And this is where I come back to the idea that the U.S. should have pushed for more against England, who really were there for the taking. According to 21st Group, who work in the, quote, B2B sports intelligence space, which is genuinely not a sentence I ever expected to say out loud, there was virtually no difference between a draw for the U.S. against England and a loss for the U.S. against England, at least in terms of their qualification chances. They had a 45% chance to make it out of Group B after a draw and a 42% after a loss. The idea is there, right? A win against England would have tangibly helped the U.S., but a draw and a loss still meant that they would have to go and get a win against Iran on the final day to get out of the group. And that's where we ended up, right? Because the U.S. didn't really push for it. They kept things at nil-nil, which is great for the team's pride, I'd, I'd imagine at least, but not so great for their actual chances of getting out of the group. But we're here now with worse odds, and I don't know about you, but I'm measuring my hope carefully. Like it or not, though, the U.S.'s chances of making it out of the group are lower than they've been since even before this tournament started. I hate to end things on a down note here, but that's exactly what we're doing. We'll be back with another episode here in the feed soon. Maybe a more positive one on how the U.S. can take down Iran. But for now, that's it for this episode of the Backheeled Show. If you're looking for more American soccer coverage, check out Backheeled.com for stories on the USMNT, the World Cup, and much, much more. We'll talk to you soon. 